Shelly Martin Podcast. Hi, and thank you for joining us on episode 18 of the Jelly Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Jans. On the Jelly Marketing Podcast, we ask global industry leaders from world-class brands to share their best practices, stories, innovations, and more to help you move your agency, business, or organization ahead. Our guest, Kemp Edmonds, is from FreshGrade. Kemp's career path has taken him through BCIT and Hootsuite, one of Vancouver's most successful tech companies. Stay tuned to the end of the interview where we find out what Kemp likes to spread on his toast. Episode number 18, here we go. Hi, Kemp. Thanks for joining me on the Jelly Marketing Podcast. Uh, Thanks so much, uh, Rod. Really excited to be here. Thanks to Jelly and yourself. Kemp is the Director of Marketing at FreshGrade, and I'll get you to talk about that in just a minute. But in the meantime, I'd just like to hear a little bit about your business career. How did you first become interested in marketing? Yeah, great question. I think I've always been a storyteller. I grew up on the left coast uh, in in Vancouver in the city proper. And, uh, you know, I always thought, uh, oh, business, I I shouldn't be going into business. And so it wasn't where I went directly. um, But I realized, you know, just like democracy and capitalism, it's the least worst system we have. And so I really uh, enjoyed it and started taking to it and uh, worked to all kinds of odd jobs from carpentry to barista to bartender to mud, mud shark processor. (laughs) <laughs> uh, in, in Vancouver before uh, I went to BCIT and took a, a diploma in marketing management with an entrepreneurship focus, which really worked for me. I'd gone to McGill, which was, you know, not applied uh, education. And it was great to go to a, an applied learning institute where I was learning things I knew I would use in the job force. This was around sort of, I graduated around 2009. And it was right when sort of social media and Twitter were really picking up. I, I'd kind of gotten into it when I was in the classroom and I sit in the lecture hall looking from the back, seeing everyone on Facebook and the teacher talking about how Facebook is big. And, and there's this other thing called Twitter. And I actually use Twitter as a learning tool to teach myself about how to do online marketing, learning from, you know, great thought leaders, as well as, you know, white papers and case studies published by companies like HubSpot. And, you know, this is kind of 2008, 2009, when inbound marketing was this weird new thing. And I remember downloading all these white papers from HubSpot and learning all these things and be like, what do they sell? Who are these guys even? Um, they'd really drawn me into, into that. And uh, when I, I started graduating from BCIT, I actually tweeted the, the marketing team there uh, within BCIT. It's kind of like a little boutique marketing agency that works for BCIT. And I had been helping them and kind of talking to them, meeting with them and talking about Twitter and social media and tweeted them and asked, you know, hey, do you have any jobs? And they publicly said no and, and sent me a direct message that said, hey, call us tomorrow. And they took uh, sort of you know, two bus stop bench ads and paid me to work there for a year as sort of the unofficial director of social media. And what I started to do was I just took all those things that I'd sort of self-taught and, you know, learned and tried things. I worked for a, a student business organization that helped me work with entrepreneurs and try things out and test things. And, you know, this is when a click on a Facebook ad cost 20 cents. And that was you know, mind blowing. Um, and, uh, yeah, wow. I, I just moved to Kelowna. There's two deer walking by my house here right now in the, in the dead of night. Oh, nice. Um, so, so a little segue back, back to my story. I, I worked at BCIT in the marketing department. I taught there. I taught social media classes to people with PhDs and masters, you know, less than a year after I graduated, which was really taught me that formalized education isn't really the future. Um, and that, you know, self-directed learning and the ability to learn through the internet and trying things and doing things is so valuable and so important. And uh, volunteerism is, is a really important part of that. And so that's uh, a little bit of my story. Um, worked at BCIT for a while and, and built a few things out and tried a lot of things, sort of the unofficial uh, head of, you know, sort of the new, new media marketing and got a lot of PR opportunities through that. And 
appeared on the news and you know, that lent a lot of legit legitimacy to what I did. I think as a student, you know, you have a superpower and one of those superpowers is to kick any door open with complimentary uh, words to leaders. And, you know, I, I'd like to research your company and I'm a student. I used that to my full advantage and, and made a great network. And then when I was done, I started teaching and building out these programs. And yeah, you know, I remember it must have been 2010 and I get this email from a law firm in Edmonton and they say, we'd like you to be an expert witness in a court case around Facebook. <laughs> And I laughed. I thought, I actually thought it was a phishing email. And it turns out it was a pretty important precedent, precedent setting case in Canada around a Canada Post union employee and being fired for what they posted on Facebook. Everything's uh, published publicly now. And, you know, it's an important precedent, but uh, it was quite a whirlwind. And I felt, you know, very lucky to, to be there at the right time in the right place. So just going back a bit, what sort of clicked for you? What, what first, can you remember that moment when you thought, hey, maybe I could make a career out of this online marketing thing? Do you remember that that moment? I don't know if there was a single moment, but I think you definitely made me think of, you know, clicking and sort of behavioral psychology. You know, what motivates not only me, but somebody else to take an action to do something. And uh, I remember one of the, you know, groundbreaking uh, things about Facebook advertising in the late you know, 2000 knots was uh, – the picture of a kitten in a teacup will get your your ad clicked the most, right? Uh, and I think you know at that time it was all about clicks and, and uh, engagement. And you know we moved beyond that and think, well, you know I didn't have the right people clicking my tea, you know, kitten in a teacup uh, ad. And I think for me it was actually um, I produced uh, a YouTube video for a student business organization at BCIT called Students in Free Enterprise, and I put it on YouTube and YouTube featured it right away in their nonprofits and activism section, and it got ten thousand views in twenty four hours from all around the world, from Dubai and Kenya. And I just thought, wow, the power of this thing is incredible. Incredible. Um, around the same time, uh, the Pirate Bay, the original creators of it, were on trial in Sweden. And what I would do is I would find the publication from Sweden from you know six, seven, eight in the morning their time, which is kind of like 10, 11, 12 at night our time. And I would translate it into English, and then I would tweet it out and use the hashtag, and then you know, hundreds or thousands of clicks. Just again, that those were kind of two very important moments where I realized this is an incredibly powerful medium, and it's something I'm excited about. How'd you end up at Hootsuite? I know that was one of the things I saw. I think when I met you first, uh, you were working mm-hmm. for Hootsuite at the time. So just tell us about some of your other jobs. Did you go from BCIT to Hootsuite? I did, yeah. So I, I was at BCIT and uh, I got made uh, redundant from, from my role at one position, got made redundant. They hired me in another area to develop educational programs. And, um, you know, I, I, I basically worked for a, a small little group there. And one of the things I did was I brought in thought leaders and interviewed them. And that included Ryan Holmes of Hootsuite and Dave Olson and some of the founders there, you know, other, other folks that I found, Chris Krug and the Vancouver community and, and Shane Gibson, a bit of a, a sales, sales savant, social media kind of guy. And, uh, I interviewed them and I just thought this is a great way to transfer the knowledge and, and build the knowledge. And then I kind of reverse engineered my way into the job at Hootsuite, right? I, I'd been using Hootsuite as a, you know, as a power user and a fanboy and thought, wow, this is the coolest thing. It's what told me how many people clicked on my, you know, Pirate Bay tweets. And, um, I just thought this is just so incredible. And I have to, they, oh my God, they're in Vancouver. I must work for this company. And so I built those relationships and stocked the job board until a job that I was suitable for came up. Uh, joined the company was about 25 people. And, you know, I knew I was on a rocket ship and, I think they just they just recently closed like a, a convertible debt bond, which it was convertible debt anyway. 
Um, if, if you're familiar with sort of raising capital and raising money, that's something you, you get to just kind of get to the next stage. And, you know, a few months later, I think they raised $20 million and wow, I kind of realized this, this thing's real and had the opportunity to have like five, five to 10 different roles and to, to build systems and to, and mainly I was, I was managing the enterprise customer side of things and, uh, you know, I love marketing and I love Hootsuite and, you know, I think that just came through in everything we did and we're just, you know, uh, I'll never forget uh, the current values to this day of, of Hootsuite, which stick to me in, in all the work I do is, you know, build a better way, uh, passion in all we do, uh, respect the individual um, and um, <laughs> I, sh- I should know the third one. Um, yeah. <laughs> the fourth, passion, well, we do build a better way, respect the individual. Um, and, and the fourth one, which is very important, and I'm sure it will come up and we can link to it and all that good stuff. Exactly. We'll <laughs> yeah, put it in the show notes. To me. It'll, probably co- it'll probably come to me in a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, that's a good, a good little moment for the listeners. I'll let you off the hook. I'll just say that for our <laughs> listeners that Kemp and I have been trying to meet up all day, and uh, he had to put his kids to bed before we actually could talk. So uh, it's actually nine at night. So it's been a long day for both of us. And uh, so we'll let you off the hook on the fourth one there, Kemp. Yeah, not to worry. No, actually, it was the first time we couldn't connect was around uh, around noon when I was uh, I had the pleasure of being in a very great kind of strategic product meeting at at my new company, which was which was a really enjoyable thing. And you know, had it not been for my luck with BCIT and and my uh, my ability to jump on a rocket ship and and build out and work with great people at Hootsuite, I definitely wouldn't have the opportunity to be where I am today. What do you think it's like now? Like you you said. And we were all this, you know, some of us that are a bit older, I'm older than you, but we've all had to learn about social media along the way. There wasn't really, you know, there's people offer courses now and all that kind of stuff, but Mm -hmm. you know, we had to learn this stuff on our own. What do you think it's like now for people starting out in marketing and, you know, when it comes to the different social media platforms where, you know, kids have basically grown up with them now. Um, I'm just, I'd be interested in your perspective on the, sort of the the landscape of the the social media marketing industry and, mm-hmm. and finding jobs and, and working in the industry yeah I think I think the, yeah well I'm trying to figure out where to start uh, to be completely honest you know <laughs> I, I think I think what I'd start with is it's all about getting your hands dirty and, and trying things out mm-hmm. um, I think there's kind of two factors one is you have people who are I hate the word and the term but digital natives um, you know I'm just on this sort of upper cusp you know i was born in 82 so uh, i'm not i'm not old but i'm not young but i'm also you know just just techy enough to to be a little bit younger in my techni- technological age but uh someone who knows how to use snapchat and facebook doesn't necessarily know how to use it for as a marketing tool um and that's the second thing is i think no matter what your age if you're an avid user of these platforms and you know how to apply the fundamentals of marketing communications to this, which is, you know, who's my target audience, what matters to them, what do they value, how do I entertain them, how do I provide value to them, and how do I be helpful? I think, you know, it's not rocket science, which is nice. And that was what I always loved about it. And people, you know, I remember in the early days, social media, social media, it's like, it's this magic thing. And I'm like, it's actually just, a, you know, it's how we as humans manifest technologies to fulfill our desires. And social is just so important. It's, it's funny, you know, I, I, when, uh, Snapchat came out, I, I thought, okay, that's here. This is great. Here's another new social media frontier <laughs> and I'm in marketing, right? But I still thought, mm-hmm. oh, it's only a matter of time till the marketers get a hold of it and ruin it, <laughs> ruin its innocence. It's innocence is ruined, but it's, it's not a ruined platform. You know, Snapchat is, is, is the perfect bellwether in this space because I am 
I can't, I don't even know how to use it. Like I've tried it a few times, but like all that, like intuitive swiping to select stuff and stuff. It's just, it's a little bit, <laughs> I'm so embarrassed, but it's just a little bit beyond, you know, my sort of, comfort area you know and it's just like i don't know if i need to share stuff in that way it's just not my style as well but um i think if my target market and target audience were avid users i'd be all over it right i'd be watching all the webinars and reading all the white papers and testing things to, to figure out what's going on <laughs> oh kemp i feel so much better <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah I just, you're not alone my my daughter you know and i have had this conversation and she's tried to teach me a little bit on how to use how do you Snapchat? And I just, I can't get into it. And I, it makes me feel really old, but, but I'm, I'm sort of the same way. Like people in my demographic that I'm marketing to are on the other platforms. So I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess if I had to, I would, I would buckle down and, yeah. and learn it. Right? We would. And I, th- I think, you know, that's what it all comes down to is there are fundamentals to marketing, right? Target market, target audience. Where, yeah. where are they? You know, how do you appeal to them? Those, those things exist yeah. no matter whether you're sending a letter to somebody or using Snapchat to engage them, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I had this conversation with a new client yesterday and I, you know, we just determined that LinkedIn was his space, you know, because of what he mm-hmm. was doing. So yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, tell us about FreshGrade. What, what is FreshGrade all about? Yeah, you know, FreshGrade is just it's such an exciting company, such an exciting space, and such an exciting solution uh, that's been built. So um, FreshGrade is a tool for parents, uh, for teachers, students, and parents to communicate and collaborate about learning. Um, and that's kind of the, the easiest way to, to talk about it. Um, you know, our, our vision is really to make learning visible and to, to bring it out and to have students be able to self-reflect and to view things and to communicate with their, you know, we say parents and teachers, but I really like to think about it as social stakeholders and educational stakeholders. And so it's a free platform for teachers, parents, and students. And then we sell a an advanced kind of layer on top of the software to schools and districts uh, that allow them to, you know, look at data in a different way to integrate with uh, their information systems and their sign on systems and their services. And then we provide uh, professional development and training services. So, you know, it's based out of Kelowna came from uh, a, a two co-founders. One uh, had uh, a company called uh, my support and, had a, had a great exit and, um, and the other gentleman founded Club Penguin uh, in Kelowna. And so they came together in 2012 and for them, they kind of had two things. One was, I know more about what a high school, f- an old high school friend did on the weekend because of Facebook. And when my kid owns comes home from school and I say, Hey, what did you do at school today? They say nothing. And so that was kind of the foundation was like this desire as a parent to have more visibility. But then they engaged some very progressive educators throughout British Columbia and particularly in the school district of Surrey to help build something that was pedagogically sound and, and pedagogy is a good one for everyone to Google and look up and, and read for themselves. Um, but it's just really the methods of teaching and learning and, and how those things function and work. And they really started to build it as a really progressive assessment platform. Um, and assessment is like, everyone thinks of kind of report cards, but really assessment is like, where were we? And where did we get to? You know, it's like, when we look at a marketing campaign, we are assessing the effectiveness of the campaign. Um, and, you know, the report card is kind of the educational autopsy. And FreshGrade is kind of the living view uh, of learning. So, yeah, then, you know, I think one of my favorite quotes and what our CEO likes to talk about is that, you know, we're trying to build the, the Facebook uh, for education. Yeah, as I looked, I watched one of the videos today. My impression was mm-hmm. a teacher could, um, let's say, and, and I always wonder what, 
what is going on with my kids in school. <laughs> mm-hmm. But my impression is uh, a teacher could record something that's going on that one of one of my kids have done, and and as a parent, I could go and look at that later. Is that one of the features of the of the program? Yeah, that's one. Of, that's one of the key components. So yeah. the teacher or the student can capture what we call artifacts of learning. With video, with photos, with documents, with notes, uh, and then they can kind of publish it to a, a private Facebook feed that's about the student's learning, the the parents, the teacher, uh, and the student share. Cool. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, even when my kids were in school, I was thinking, this is, this is kind of, it's a little bit of a weird system when you think about it, you know? You, you, you hand your kids over to someone for eight hours or however long school lasts, uh, five days a week. Uh, that's that's a lot of time to be apart from your kids and to, to uh, I don't think I should use the word trust, but I will. It is to trust them, with, and put them in someone else's hands. You know, it's quite a quite yeah. A deal. It'd be nice to see yeah, sometimes what's going on in, in the classroom. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a spectrum, right? Um, you know, trust is at, I, I would say at the low end, and at the high end is like enhancement of learning, deepening of learning, creating students that do what I did. You know, they find something they're passionate about. In my case, it was online marketing. They find free resources, information. They teach themselves. They try things. You know, I think we want to create a different kind of learner than sort of what the textbook learner made us like, you know, it, which is somebody who understands how to find information, understands how to try things, understands that that's okay. You know, we call it self-directed learning. We call it the student growth mindset. Um, and, then, you know, it's really exciting to be a part of this movement that's happening in education. And it's really led by educators and leaders. And technology is kind of the third component. And, you know, we really realize that in our space. And it's a really important part of how we talk to our customer base, but also how we relate to them is that it's them doing everything. You know, they work together with parents and students. Um, and we're really a platform. We're, we're a method for them to do that. Uh, and we're not there to dictate how they do it. For the company, has there been any recent um, significant milestones that's been achieved? Uh, how, how's, how's the adoption rate of the of the program you know we have really we have really great adoption rates globally um among our our customers that pay us um you know we started in british columbia and in canada so they're largely in canada there's a few in the united states which is our main focus and then there's a a few dotted around the world whether we go to australia new zealand or we go to the uk and i think you know what we're what we're really what we're really focused on and some of our great things is we raised you know uh, almost 12 million US dollars out of the valley in in May from some amazing investors uh, really experts in the educational technology space as well as you know traditional uh, venture investors like uh, Excel uh, venture partners you know reach capital we just have some amazing people behind us that that all believe in the vision of what we're doing which is to help um, evolutionize education to help enable the evolution of education, you know, education is not something that's going to, you know, see a revolution. The revolution is going to happen over so much, so much time that it's not going to look like one, um, but it is going to be one in the long run. And I think, you know, that's an amazing thing that that drew me to the company and gets me really excited uh, to go to work every day. Is that our CEO and our board and our leadership really believe in the mission of providing something for free that that can, you know, change people's lives and have an amazing impact. And that's something that FreshGrade really shares with Hootsuite. You're obviously super bright. You're an early adopter. And uh, I'm just wondering what's really working for you these days when it comes to marketing. Do you have any tips or advice for us? 
Uh, yeah, I think if your product is free, that you know you have to incentivize referral and um, user acquisition through recommendation. Um, I think you know that that's so important to build that community and and build those incentives. I think Hootsuite just was in a bit of a hyperspace, right? So hey, upgrade to Hootsuite 2.0 by tweeting out because of course you have a Twitter account connected because you're using Hootsuite. So there's a lot of great virality built in. I think you know that's something we all have to be thinking about. There are great free tools out there. I don't know if people use Branch.io, but that's an amazing tool. I think some of the my big insights now are kind of, you know, I have two goals. One is, you know, grow the free teacher user base. Um, and the second one is, um, excuse me, is to um, bring in people who are leaders and decision makers in schools, you know, everywhere from a principal all the way up to a superintendent kind of thing. And so I think, you know, I go back to my universal motto and, you know, the book I I've been trying to write for years. Hopefully I'll get it done someday, um, which is be helpful, create value for your target audience. <laughs> and I don't know if that'll be the subtitle, but um, you know, that's, that's the goal of great marketing these days is you're not, you're not selling, you're sharing the story. You're being part of the story. You're amplifying the success of your customers. Um, now I think some of the insights that I found, I, I've started uh, trying out um, some new lead capture tools like uh, Facebook lead ads and the, the Twitter lead card, which allow people instead of filling out a form with, you know, sort of two to 10 fields, they simply say, yes, I, I would like to sign up for this webinar or um, get this ebook or sign up for this tool. And they just click, Yes, and then their inf- your information their information is transferred to you through Facebook or through Twitter. Um, those are really interesting, especially when you add targeting on top of that. So, not geographic targeting as much as list targeting. So, like loading in massive lists. Um, you know, hopefully you're not spamming those people with email, but that's kind of one of the ways you get these big lists is their email lists. But instead of using them to email these people, use them to create really targeted audiences on things like Facebook and Twitter. Um, and then of course be geographically targeted. You know, you can't, you know, unless, you know, unless your average revenue per user is, is really high, you can't be targeting the world. So, and you know, the more focused you can get in terms of geographic targeting, the more you can work on a, a specific region, build a model, and then do you know use that same model in other locations. Um, you know, the other the other observation I'm I'm making right now is we're doing a lot of uh, nurture programs through marketing automation systems, and um, just the importance of um, providing value through your email campaigns, and, and you know that means referring to links that are of value, you know, offering, you know, content of value to your audience and, and offering them things that, that matter to them and are valuable to them. What I'm noticing is that the vast majority of people are opening these uh, emails on mobile. And, you know, we all have sort of the ways we think about mobile and how we address that. You know, one change I made that I saw, you know, some, you know, mobile people don't really click, right? You're on the go. You read this email from somebody like me that says, hey, check out this great white paper. And you're like, ah, whatever. And you, and you close it off. Um, so, you know, I'm being really explicit about, you know, perfect for mobile PDF format, save and read later when you when you have some time. And I think it's time to be really explicit with our audiences and A-B test that and see, you know, what works. And I think, you know, straight talk and providing value are are super key in understanding what mobile means, especially email. You know, one of the ways I talk to my team is, um, hey, you know, on your iPhone, that like view of your email inbox, you know, those 20 odd characters that you can see below sort of the subject line and the, and the person, that's our space. You know, that's how you win somebody over and that's how you, you really engage them and make sure that matches what's, what's next. Yeah, that's great. I hadn't even really thought of that. Um, until you mentioned it was the, 
you know, so many people offer things, they offer a, a free PDF or whatever. And if the majority of people are opening your email on their phone, I, they're less likely to, to, uh, to download that. Is that what you're, you're saying? Yeah. I, like, I think unless you're explicit, you know, like click this to get the PDF as opposed to, you know, um, especially like clicking to fill out a form, like filling out a form on your mobile device is just not an enjoyable experience. So yeah, yeah. whatever you can do to avoid that, um, and use the signals of, of the customer, the prospect of, you know, they op they saw it, they opened it, they clicked and took the action that you want them to. Okay. You know, that's, that's, that's a quality, quality piece of lead information. Just for interest sake, I haven't asked anybody this mm-hmm. question in a while. <laughs> like you've had a lot of successes in marketing and stuff like that. Do you have a marketing flop that you can tell us about? Oh, Is there something that's how many? <laughs> oh my God, man. That, that's a hilarious question. You know, Babe Ruth, Wayne Gretzky, you know, it's all, it's all about the strikeouts. You got to have that many attempts just to hit that many home runs. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's like a gambler. I mean, marketers never talk about their failures. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think like a, a real failure where I would say like, Sometimes it's things where you have to invest a lot of money up front before you know if it's going to be of value. Um, so that can be an event, right? You're like, okay, we have to invest like 10, 20 K for the booth and the flights and all stuff. And, you know, you're not like spending a good, you know, three weeks of prep time over the first, over the eight weeks ahead of the thing to make sure that you're being really successful. So, you know, I think uh, another one is PR, you know, I, uh, I engaged a PR agency through a recommendation and they were out of Eastern Canada and we needed them to focus on Canadian promotion for something that one of the companies that I've worked with was doing. You know, I, I don't think they really understood our business and uh, they, they, I don't think they really understood how to pitch us. And I think when it comes to PR uh, in the early days, I think you want to do it yourself uh, because one, you're going to be more genuine and you're, you know, you got to research that person. You know, I've seen some really amazing sort of um, pitches and presentations from people who had great success being genuine in their PR and and pitching people. So, you know, if you hit the Google on that one, I think that's key, but you know, it's, you know, we had to commit to spending, you know, a reasonable amount of money with no expectation of return. And I think that that was, and it didn't, it didn't work out. Um, So it wasn't the right fit. And then we were still obligated to pay for, you know, quote unquote services rendered. And I think whether it's an event or a PR agency or, you know, a, a big ad buy, you know, I think you have to, you know, make everything as prepped and ready for success and able to, to, to convert and to be successful as possible before your go live date. I think that's probably the, the best, the best sort of lesson I've learned, um, in, uh, in the last few years. So yeah, one of the things I, I wanted to share, just you made me think of it, uh, this great piece of advice from a leader, one of my favorite leaders is, um, you know, the sequence is ready, aim, fire, you know? Yeah. You know, I, and, and it was kind of, he was kind of admitting that he sometimes says, you know, aim, fire. Yeah. And ready, at, you know, and it's just, and then he was like, what, you know, what are you, you know, are, you know, ready, fire, aim, you know, it's like, and you know, it's funny, I kind of thought about that. And first, I love that concept and that way to think about I think business and marketing, right? Like execution, right? Is, you know, are you taking those two steps before action? I kind of just references back to what we were talking, what I was sharing earlier about sort of preparation, making sure things are set up for success before your, you know, your go live or your, or your real spend, uh, you know, comes into play. Yeah. Great. 
Good. Well, thank you for sharing all that advice for us. Some good, good stuff in there. And uh, I'm sure our listeners will appreciate that. And one of the things we do on the Jelly Marketing Podcast is we do a bit of a, a lightning round and just ask you a few quick questions that we ask all of our guests. And do I have uh, to have quick answers? Do you have don't to have to have short? quick answers. No, some people do. <laughs> I'll try, take to, be, it that I'll try way. to be short. And I'll I also, I also have to preface the first question to say that the answer does not have to be jelly. So, because we're the Jelly Marketing Podcast, what do you like to spread on your toast? Uh, peanut butter. Do you have a? So I was asked this question. Oh, I think I was asked this question by Jelly Marketing, actually. <laughs> uh, what kind of peanut butter do you like? Do you like crunchy, smooth, natural? What's, what's your, what's your choice? Depends on the day. You know, sometimes it's good to put, you know, a little layer of butter and then your smooth peanut butter. Sometimes you just want chunky. Depends on the bread you're using. You know, I think there's a time and a place for all peanut butters. <laughs> I love that answer. As a peanut butter lover, I love that answer. And I can relate to that. <laughs> awesome. Beautiful. And what do you do to handle stress? Uh, spend time with my kids, uh, deal with it head on, uh, rise to the challenge, um, work harder, you know, uh, rationalize things that I, I, I you know, kind of have two rules. One is, um, and I, I've learned these from experience. One is a uh, locus of control. And, uh, for all the philosophers out there, I'm not talking about the way you're thinking about it, but, um, you know, within an organization or any social structure, whether it's a business or a company or your family, you know, you have a locus of control. You have things that you have direct control over that you can make better directly. Um, and then there are things outside of that locus of control. And so I think knowing what's, uh, what's outside of your locus of control and what's inside and, you know, what you have total control over and where you can make the, the deepest impact is uh, a really important coping mechanism when it comes to stress. Uh, yeah, I'm reading a new book uh, called Essentialism, recommended for anybody out there. Uh, who likes to do all the things all the time and uh you know it's uh it's a simple it's a simple diagram so here's a there's a circle there's uh many small arrows pointing out from it in all directions and uh there's the same circle but only one arrow going in one direction with the aggregate volume of all of those little arrows and hopefully you can picture it or you can just google essentialism and see it for yourself but uh you know knowing that you know you're going in one direction that direction is is just so key there's just too many things to do Especially as a marketer. That sounds good. I'm going to, yeah, especially as a marketer, right? There's so many things coming at us all, all the time. I'll look that up. I'll try Just too many options. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I'll you try can, to honestly, include a diagram can, of that in the, uh, in the show notes. Please do. Yeah. You can, you can read the book or you can just look at the diagram and be like, oh, that's it. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have heard that book recommended several times. So I'll have to look that up. Sounds good. Nice. And are you an iPhone or an Android person? Uh, iPhone all the way. I was a big PC guy. Uh, I had a S, I had RCA and S video hookups to my TV back in the day. I was you know, streaming things and I, I've been without cable for a decade or more. And, uh, I love the fact that I can manipulate things. And, um, I, you know, the Mac at, at one point just did all the things I needed to do. And I was happy to be inside Steve Jobs' <laughs> walled kingdom. So, uh, I continue to be an iPhone guy. I bought my wife a new iPhone 7 and I have to wait for my 256 gig jet black so i have to wait a long time i have to wait a long time and i was like early early booker but uh, yeah yeah it's it's upgrade time so great anyway yeah sounds like fun do you have a favorite app oh i could never choose just one to be completely (laughs) honest um which one do you use uh, the most what do you find you use the most (laughs) I use uh, I use communications apps a lot. 
for work that I think are really good. Um, I think intercom is an amazing system for, uh, speaking with your customers directly. And, uh, I love that. I love Slack for internal communications. I love uh, reading. So I, <laughs> I, I read the economist on my, on my device regularly. I read the Vancouver sun app because I'm uh, attached to that <laughs> largely redundant localized news. Um, I love, uh, tune in radio. So I listen to local radio wherever I am or if I'm, far away and i want to feel like i'm at home i listen to sort of local cbc vancouver stuff um i can go on and on so uh <laughs> you know it's, it's you know i really like and i'm I, this is not uh, me trying to sell anything but i have a, a roger cell phone plan and it's included the nhl game center subscription for free for the last couple of years just a couple hundred bucks a year and uh, i'm a i'm a hockey fan in general and i'm a Canucks fan and I, I don't know i just i feel like because I don't pay for it, it's an amazing value. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I had to pay, I probably wouldn't use it. <laughs> Tell me more about Intercom. I haven't heard of that one. I've heard of many of the other ones that you talked yeah, about. Yeah, so Intercom's, Intercom's killing it. So what they do is you probably have used it and not even known it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in a website or an app that you love, and in the bottom right-hand corner, you see a little icon that looks like a conversation or a, 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 a um, chat bubble. And as a, as a, as a, when you're on the back end of that, you can use that for ongoing live customer support um, that integrates into email. So, you know, if the user drifts away, they'll get an email response from you. You can also use that to trigger like certain tips. So instead of like layering tool tips all throughout your application, you can uh, put hooks into the system. So little like triggers that tell Intercom, hey, this user took this action. And then so, you know, it landed on the the grade book page for the first time, like as a, as a fresh grade thing. And now we can serve them a personalized message that has the resources that they might need to take full advantage of that part of the application. You can also use it, you know, you can have it on your plans page. Maybe you have a premium product and a freemium product. And when people land on your premium product page and they spend more than 38 seconds, you want this to pop up. And you can, so there's a lot of these tools. There's another one called autopilot. Um, it's a huge space right now. It's blowing up. And Intercom's, you know, largely the leader in the space. You know, HubSpot has an integrated one as well. You know, lots of folks have this thing as a kind of like a bolt-on that allows you to, based on actions you take or, you know, you know, how long they spend on a website or what things they click on, you can kind of throw them this sort of live chat, which is a great way to figure out what someone needs and direct them to the right thing. The next question is, do you have a favorite life or business hack to share? Something, a, a shortcut, a loophole, something that makes your life a little bit easier? Having great people around you, whether that's your partner, your family, your friends, uh, your coworkers, and uh, I think delegating honestly um, is a good way to put it. Um, when you know, when it's a task you're best at, you take care of that. You know, when it's a task your your spouse is best at, you know, maybe it's better to to ask them to do that and offer to do something else. And I think that goes in business as well. Is just I think the people around you are the most powerful resource you have. And you know, stay humble. You know, be be uh, egoless. Oh, there it is. That's the fourth Hootsuite value. <laughs> Le- lead with humility. Awesome. That's great. <laughs> yeah. You and the, likely the one I need to remember the most. <laughs> no, no. I, yeah. I, I like to be self-deprecating. That's how you should open any talk that you're to a large audiences. Make a joke <laughs> about yourself so they know you don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> That's great. We get such great answers to that question. Thank you for sharing that. It was good. Um, Cheers. There's so many causes out there. Just for the purposes of this interview, do you have one that you can pick that's near and dear to you? Like a nonprofit cause, that kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I okay. Well, uh, the altruistic one is I think charity water, and I think any charity where they use another method to pay for the administrative costs of running the organization. In Charity Waters' case, they actually have two separate businesses. One is the administrative organization that manages the charity, uh, which is funded by corporate donations. And then they have the charity, which 100% of the money that you donate to them goes to build wells and get people water. And there's a number of you know nonprofits that are doing this. And I think any nonprofit that's turning 100% of your dollar over to the cause that you care about. I think that's what we should be more concerned about uh, as opposed to just like choosing cause. I'm a big fan of We Day. You know, that's something that I've kind of grown up with and been impressed by. So there's just too many good causes out there and good people doing good things. That's, that's a bit of a tough one. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, how do people reach out to you? How do they find out more about Fresh Grade or if they want to get in touch with you? Yeah, you can check out freshgrade.com, freshgrade. You can tweet me uh, at Kemp Edmonds. Uh, if you want to email me, uh, you can email Kemp at KempEdmonds.com. And you can check out KempEdmonds.com and, and see how to pretend that your derelict blog is uh, <laughs> is still live by removing the dates and other such tricks. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with us tonight. I, I really appreciate it. I look forward to listening to this and and sharing with friends and, and colleagues. Thank you. Well, thanks again to Kemp Edmonds from FreshGrade for joining us on the 18th episode of the Jelly Marketing Podcast. If you'd like to check out some of the show notes and links from this episode, go to the Jelly Marketing Podcast page at jellymarketing.com and you'll find us under the blog tab of the website. Also, be sure and check us out on iTunes and leave a comment and a rating. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. You can fly These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com. And get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.